and as they go to the classroom, we are in 1 John chapter 5, and this morning as we had the time of worship, how many of you have ever been in church and you're in worship and all of a sudden you're, you, in your mind you just go back to an event earlier at a different different time in your life and you you have a, a background and you remember something. Well, many years ago, many years ago, uh, I was just out of high school and there is a very prominent football team in uh, Hampton, Hampton Cravers. And I did not go to Hampton, but in um, 1985, they were playing for the state championship against T.C. Williams. And consequently, that became a movie. Uh, Remember the Titans, I believe. And I actually went to that game, and my best friend went to Hampton. So we somehow we convinced our youth pastor to take us as a youth event to see the Hampton Crabbers in the state championship. And I remember the trip very well because one of the friends of mine had really smelly feet. And uh, <laughs> that was not pleasant on the uh, trip to the football game. But when we got to the game, it was in um, it was an away game. It was at T.C. Williams. And it was kind of like a fog on the field. It was, real, it was a dark, overcast Saturday. And... It's kind of cold, the fog, and the Cravers played like a funeral march. The band, it was, and it was just calm because they were looking at each other and they knew they were going to walk onto that field and slaughter that team. It was just a confidence. And I was kind of like, you know, as we were worshiping this morning, I know this is a weird analogy, but I just feel that that sense of what it felt like to be a Hampton Crabber because I knew this message that was coming from the Word of God, and it is a message that puts a dagger in the enemy. It's a, it's a message, it's a word from the Lord that crushes all the evil and horrible plans of Satan because it's proclaiming a victory that is promised in the word of God. You know, that coach, when he went into that locker room before that game, he told that team, you know you are a better team. You know you've got everything that you have to win, and you're going to walk out on that field and take care of business today. And they were that confident. You could feel it. But their victory wasn't certain. Their victory wasn't promised. But ours is, because the Bible has declared that. So when you listen today, it's in the context of we are talking about a battle that's been won. We're talking about a victory that is promised, and your only responsibility in this matter is to claim it and to take advantage of it. And on that same light, I grew up loving football And I love the thrill of victory. That's for you, Mike. (laughs) 
That's for you right there, man. Roger Starback, the thrill of victory. But with that thrill of victory, sometimes there is the agony of defeat. Right, Miles? They didn't win that game. Lynn Swan owned that day. And sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. And in the Christian life, although the battle's been won, although the, the victory's been promised, uh, we need to understand that we do not always win the Christian battle. We must understand that every believer is in a spiritual battle. And not every battle and not every challenge we face are we successful. Sometimes what keeps us from winning our spiritual victories are unknown and hidden, as in the case of this man, because he was losing a personal battle, and, 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 and we didn't really know it. He didn't reach out for help. He didn't make people aware of his weakness. And so now his legacy has been um, marred by his moral failures. And that's a challenge that every believer faces, that if we don't trust the Lord to win that battle, we can, we can fail. We're not alone in our struggle. Every believer is called to overcome sin and challenged to avoid moral failure. And the fact that so many believers before us, whether it's David or someone you've heard about on the news, has lost their way and lost their path, it's not to discourage us, but to awaken us to arm ourselves for battle. Because although this battle is promised, we need to be careful to apply the principles in our lives that we need to take to be spiritually victorious. So what are the steps to spiritual victory. What do we need to do according to the word of God to have spiritual victory? The first thing we need to understand is that we must be born again. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So I want to tell you this. That when you come to Christ, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the battle is won. Your sins are forgiven. And no matter what you experience in this life, no matter how many times you get up and down, because, you know, I've met in the past couple weeks with people who've experienced, you know, heartache and, and challenges, and I've, I've wrestled with the... Uh, just the struggles of trying to help people overcome addictions and challenges and, and just looking at that and saying, where is the hope? Where is the victory? Well, the victory is in coming to Christ and receiving God's forgiveness. Because no matter how much a man or woman struggles in this life, if they have received Christ, they will be with the Lord. But God has better things for us. God wants us to walk in victory. God wants us to not just experience forgiveness when we die and along the way to be relieved of guilt. God wants us to have freedom from sin and to live a victorious life. 
in order to do this, we must stand in faith. We must claim what God has promised to us. The Bible says that everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Let's put that in plain English. When you repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ, you're forgiven. And you're free from the power of sin. You must claim that victory and overcome the things that are self-destructive and horrible and, and evil in your life. You must overcome those things through trust and belief that Christ has empowered you to do that. There is a goal. When you become a Christian, God's plan and will for your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Who would not want to live that life? Would you not want to be surrounded by the love, the joy, the peace of Christ? Wouldn't you want to experience patience and kindness in your relationships, faithfulness and goodness, self-control where you were able to stop doing things that were harmful and not good for you? Isn't that what you and I want as believers? Well, that is what God promises us. Not perfection, but maturity, growth, spiritual growth. That is the promise. And every time you see someone in the Bible, whether it's David and Goliath or Joshua or Caleb, any of those people, they're walking in faith to take hold of what God has promised them. And what has he promised you and I? Spiritual growth, maturity, spiritual transformation of character so that we can be in the world as he is in the world. Once more, and this is a story in the life of Christ, it says, once more Jesus visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged Jesus to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Jesus said, go, Jesus replied, your son will live. That's God's promise. That's the word of the Lord. Go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. What key phrase in this story highlights the meaning of faith? As you look at that, if you look to the middle, it says, faith is taking Jesus at his word. See, you and I need to look in the word of God and say, what is promised to me? Big car, fame and riches, no. Eleven of the apostles were martyred for their faith. What's promise? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, those things. 
That's what's promised. And in the byproduct of that is going to be happiness, material blessings, good health, all of those things, you know, potentially, but not necessarily. God has made a promise to you that you will grow spiritually and become like Christ and that you will do his will in this world. For many people, that's going to be material blessings and those things, but it's not written out like that. God is going to grow us spiritually, and if he allows us to go through some things, you know, there's plenty of people that I've known who've gone through tough times. Job, other people in a Christian life. But that challenge drew people to Christ. It made that person stronger spiritually, and ultimately, God received glory. So I know that when I come to Christ, God has promised me that I am, if I will trust him and obey him, I will grow spiritually, that I will bring him glory. And he's made a promise to me that if I will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to me. He'll give me what I need, when I need it, how I need it. And I don't have to worry about my life. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if the world comes in and persecutes us and challenges us, and should we end up in a sim similar situation to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, our favor from God is not based on our circumstances, but based on God's glory. God will receive glory from our life. And what does that look like? For Paul, for Peter, it was death. For Jesus, crucifixion. Leading to resurrection. And that's the life that we live based on taking Jesus at his word and living the Christian life. What is that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We must claim the promise of spiritual victory. We have to act upon what God has promised us. We must, re we must reject fear and unbelief. John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That's you and I. So that you may know that you have eternal life. When you're going through a hard time, when you're under a spiritual attack... What does the enemy try to tell you? You don't belong. You're not part of that. You're not good enough. You'll never overcome that. That is a fixed mindset. God has called us to a growth mindset. Through the Lord's help, I will learn from that mistake. I will grow and overcome that mistake. I will move past this failure even in our mistakes, even in our temptations, God is still glorified because he's, he's grooming us to be more like him. And God doesn't want us doubting our salvation when we go through hard times, but trusting him and standing in faith and staying in faith. We, are, we must pray to receive this victory. The Bible talks about prayer. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, ask anything according to his will, what is his will? 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the will of God. All things work to the good to those who are called according to his purpose that they may be conformed to the image of his son. What is the image of God's son? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That describes Jesus, and that will describe you and me if we're faithful and we trust God. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we asked of him. So if you will pray every day, God, I want to grow to be more like Jesus and bring you glory. God's promised that he will answer that prayer. He's promised in his word. And if, he, if we trust him and step out in faith and walk into that victory, all these things, God is going to, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. That's when you don't worry about the other. Now I want to tell you a story from the Old Testament that kind of gets the spirit of what we're talking about. It says that the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgag, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. So Caleb says, Do you remember God's promise to us? So Joshua was listening. He says, I was 40 years old, this is Caleb, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me, and Joshua went with him from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. What was that word? That, hey, we should go in there and conquer that land. Joshua and Caleb brought back the good report. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt in fear. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And that's our experience today, folks. Let's be real. If you walk out of here and you say, you know what, I am going to claim by faith these promises of God. I'm going to be transformed in Jesus' name. I am going to obey Christ and become like Jesus and glorify God. Two of you might say that and ten of you might not. That's just the numbers we live in. You're not going to have everybody with you on this. When you go to work, not everybody's going to be on board. Not everybody in the church, not everybody that you work with who goes to a church is going to want to live a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. They're not. But if you live that life, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be incredibly blessed. You and I, if we reach that life, you know, love is far more important than money. Joy is far more important than circumstances. Peace is far more important than getting your way. People have money, they have cars, they have fame, they have fortune, and they're taking their life and they're absolutely miserable. There's nothing wrong with those blessings, nothing wrong with them at all. And God can bless every one of us with all of those things. 
But they're not going to mean anything if we don't have the, lo- the love, the joy, and the peace to enjoy it. God wants to give us those things, those spiritual qualities, so we can serve him and be a blessing to our family, our community, our country, and our world. That's what God wants to do for us. But we have to realize that we have to sometimes go this road alone or with only a few people. Let's see what Caleb says. As Moses swore on that day, Surely the land which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you. Moses made a promise to Joshua and Caleb. The land that you've seen, that you believe that God was going to give you, belongs to you. The victory is yours and your children forever. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your household. God wants to bless not just you, but your whole family. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. You got to be all in. You can't, if Caleb, you know, he wasn't part time, he was full time. He was full time, fully committed to Christ, all on board, complete faith in what God can do. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive when other, all those other 10 were dead. They didn't make it. And just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. Now behold, I am this day 85 and I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Man, that geezer is fired up, isn't he? He's fired up. He, he, this guy has got, he's really riled up. He's like, I'm 85, but I'll kick your butt. He's ready to go. And that's what God wants us to be. He doesn't want us walking around in fear and unbelief. He wants us confident in him. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. He's ready to fight spiritual battle. He's ready to claim what God has promised to him. And he says, so now give me the hill country. So Caleb says, I want the most difficult. I want the most difficult spiritual challenge of which the Lord spoke to Moses. For you heard on that day how the Anakite were there with great fortified cities. He says, I want the place that the enemy is the strongest. There's people who said, I'm praying for this country. I had a friend in college, and he was praying for Albania. At the time, Albania was an atheist nation. His brother had been martyred for Christ. This young man, his brother, was martyred for his uh, faith in Christ. I think it was in South America. And Chet, this young man, Chet Bitterman, he says, you know, I'm going to the hardest place on the face of the earth that I know about to share the gospel. He was ready for the challenge because he said the same thing that Caleb said, because the Lord would be with me, and I shall, not I think, I want, I might, I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. So when we look at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, God's saying, I want to put those qualities 
in your life. And it's my promise that if you will take me at my word and receive these areas of growth and blessings, that you will become that person for my glory. Jesus calls us to the man or woman that we will become. And we claim it by faith. The good news is the victory is already won. We just have to walk in what God has done for us and what God has promised. Just like Caleb said. So now, my challenge for you today is that you would spend this week praying that God would spiritually transform you and that you wouldn't back down, that you would make these qualities, that you would focus on these qualities and say, Lord, I want to be a more loving person. I want to experience your joy. I want to experience your peace. I want to experience your patience and kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, and self-control. You and I are not alone. We are fighting with other people. And as I was preparing this message, I called up Brian because Brian and I had had a conversation about spiritual warfare. And I said, Brian, do you mind sharing that story with the congregation? Because I want people to know that they're not alone. We're all fighting battles. And, And we encourage one another and we stand strong together. And we are fighting this battle and we have faith. Not only that, I want to just publicly thank Brian for, you know, encouraging other men in the congregation that are struggle. And we have some men in our congregation who've shared and they've confided in us that they're struggling. And we are standing together in faith, praying for them and encouraging them and believing that God is going to do all of these things for them. And we're doing it behind the scene. And Brian calls me and says, Mark, have you called so-and-so today? And holds me accountable to do that. And I call him and ask him to do that. And I talk to other people and I ask people in the church, will you contact these people? Will you contact these people? Because we're laboring not to build a bigger church or this or that. We're laboring that each person in this church would become this man or woman up on that screen. Because if that takes place, everything else will fall into place. Church will fall into place. Your family will fall into place. Your business will fall into place. Your work will fall into place. But if these bricks are not built together, there's going to be a problem. Without these qualities, there's going to be an issue. And we're praying and we're laboring for this, but it's not without attack. It's not without a conflict. So I want you to hear it right from Brian's lips that he experiences these challenges and he wants to share some good news to help you in your challenge. Amen. Good morning. I wanted to share with you some things that I've learned about spiritual attacks. In the last year, I've been able to recognize them easier, and I've been able to, I've learned how to stop them before they get out of hand. The devil is a thief and a liar. He lies to you to steal your peace and joy. He wants to destroy you and separate you from God. 
Most of you have seen those cartoons where a little devil is sitting on your shoulder, whispering in your ear, go ahead, do it. I wouldn't take that. Get mad. That's a very good depiction of how it is. He wants you to get mad with your church family, your family, friends, co-workers, so he can separate you from the people that support you, encourage you, and love you. So you're easy pickings. He sows fear, doubt, confusion, depression, anxiety, temptation, anger, and jealousy. He knows your weaknesses better than you do. I want to share a few things you can do to overcome these attacks. First of all, learn to recognize them for what they are. My father was a great hunter, and he taught me how to hide. He said, your chances to get your game increases several times if it doesn't know you're there. It's the same way with the devil. His chances are better at getting to you if you don't know he's there and recognize his lies. We're in a spiritual battle. People are not our enemies. Evil dark forces are. Recognizing attacks for what they are is half the battle. Next thing you need to do is do a self-examination. Ask yourself, what are my weaknesses that the devil exploits? And then work to make them strengths. Pray about it. Ask God to help you. If it's something you can change, then work at it. If it's not, then accept it. There's all kinds of self-help books to help you. I highly recommend Joyce Meyer. Download the app and read it every day. Her book, Battlefield of the Mind, helped me tremendously several years ago. Learn to trust God completely. Let him fight your battles while you enjoy the fruits of the Spirit. Third thing, what to do when you're under attack. First of all, start praying. If you're in a position to get on your knees, then fight your battles from your knees. Play Christian music. I heard on the radio once that the devil can't hang a rain with praise music playing. A few weeks ago, I was under attack, and I realized it early. I stopped what I was doing. I went inside, and I was scrambling to get my Bluetooth soundbar hooked up so I could play my Christian music loud. Some of these songs I band sings that really moves me and lifts me up spiritually. I download them on my phone, and when I listen to them, it lifts me up, and it does me a lot of good. If you're struggling on your own, reach out to godly people that will pray for you. Mark and I are close, and I've reached out to him a few times when I was under attack. When I reached out to Rhonda, and she had all the ladies pray for the men's retreat, it completely turned things around. Now, I've been tempted to pull out those big guns again, but I'm saving them. And the devil knows I'm not afraid to use them. Prove to God and the devil that you are completely committed to God and that you will never turn from him and go back to your sinful and rebellious ways. Several years ago, the Lord allowed me to be tested. 
The devil would lie to me, get me angry, and try to get me to rebel. Two weaknesses that I used to have. I told God out loud so any spiritual force, good or bad, could hear me. I said, Lord, I will never turn from you no matter what. I will love you forever. The testing stopped immediately, and I was filled with peace and joy. If you're being attacked and tormented, it's going to get better. If the attack stopped working and the devil knows that you're not going to turn from God, then for the most part, he won't waste time on you. I'm not saying you won't be tested and tried, but it will be more few and far between. Now, I need you to pray for me. The devil doesn't like to be exposed. I got woke up several times last night, early this morning, several distractions. He tried to stop me from getting up here and saying these things to you. I'm probably going to get attacked for doing so. But if you all lift me up and I do these things that I told you, I'll be fine. Because I have an eternal view. I know what is temporary and I know what's forever. Jesus has already won the war. Man, thank you, Mr. Brian. Would you guys please stand and worship with us one more time this morning? You see the end. 
thank you for this time of worship that we've had this morning, Lord. We thank you for the word that's been brought to us this morning. We ask right now that you would fill us as we go our separate ways, Lord, that you might empower us to accomplish what it is that you have for us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 